Yeah. All right. Well, welcome back to the Undead Family Podcast, the podcast where from time to time we cover some relatively tough subjects. We covered the Winchester Mystery Manor, which wasn't really tough to cover. This is going to be a rough one. I can tell you all right now. Um, This is this is Lake Lanier. And if you don't know, you're about to find out. So if you are sensitive to racial things that happened in history happened in the past. We do not support these actions in any way, but it is history. And we're talking about Lake Lanier. So understand that this isn't easy for me to read because I have to read the darker (laughs) side of this. But I'm going to try to, I'm going to try my best to, you know, Crack some inappropriate jokes to make it a little bit more humorful. That's also why we have Becca here, because it's Becca's favorite thing to do. Um, and we love her for it. We also have Reaper with us. Blitz may or may not jump in. If he does, cool. He knows we're recording. This isn't being streamed live. And I'm kind of happy for that, because I, I don't know how this would do on Twitch. Um, Probably not super great. Yeah. Uh, even though it is a podcast, even though we're talking about history, I, I'm not I'm not super comfortable covering that live on Twitch and having mm-hmm. I don't want to get reported. It's kind of we've brought this this episode up many times. And honestly, the reason it hasn't been recorded before now is because of me, because I, I don't want to read the part that I'm going to read, but I'm going to do it today. And uh, that's I'm doing it for Ducky because she's begged me for months to do it. Um, Thank you, an encouraging drink. Um. (laughs) Drink, drink, don't you mean uh, alcohol? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We don't have any ice, otherwise I would. Um, I'm gonna try to keep it pretty up. That we're gonna, you know, if you guys want to jump in in the middle of it. Um, let me know. I have pauses and breaks, like the way it's broken up, it's in, you know, little chunks. So just like, let me finish and then I'll pause for a couple of seconds. So you guys can like bring something up. Um, I didn't hold back any punches. Um, I'm reading it exactly how I found all of the articles about Lake Lanier. We will have everything Mm -hmm. cited in the show notes. Not sure if this is going on YouTube or if it's just going up for the podcast itself. Um, I'm also probably going to pause a lot because I'm really feeling yesterday's screaming for two and a half hours. Um, My voice uh, is like super scratchy. (laughs) uh, Yeah, that's that's for football guys. Just just saying. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just want to make that clear. The little nugget had a football game yesterday, so that's why my voice sounds the way it does. Is (laughs) because while photographing the game, uh, me and the dads were were all trying to be. Trying to be supportive of the boys, give them some hints because at his age, and we were actually we we're at a birthday party with most of the football dads, and we were all talking about it. At his mm-hmm. age, on the far side of the field, the kids can't hear what the coaches are trying to tell them. 
And yeah. so, and also, we see stuff from there in that we can tell, you know, the specific cornerbacks or the specific, you know, linemen that are like, hey, watch out for this kid. He's on the outside. He's coming in, you know, and and so we're doing stuff like that. And, and then also, you know, when a when your quarterback breaks off and runs for sixty five oh, yards yeah. with with the clock at one minute in the fourth quarter, you're down by one point. Uh, That was great. It was a great game. Uh, If you want to see photos from that game, they will be up this week on the Instagram page. If you don't know what my Instagram for photos is, it is goblin.productions with a Z at the end. Um, And I will also put that in the show notes as well as the description. If this does go on YouTube, it probably will. Just because mm-hmm. we're recording this for, it's a bonus episode, but the bonus episodes generally go up on YouTube, anyways. But anyways, guys, like I said, trigger warning: if you are sensitive to racial history, I mean, you can click off. We're not upset if you if you can't yeah. handle this, but it is history, and you know what they say: you learn from history. None of the actions in today's episode in history, none of them we support. None of the horrific things that happened we support in any ways. I also have trigger warnings built into it when it gets really rough. So if you want to hear about it, but you want to skip some of the like gorier stuff, um, feel free to like just skip forward a little bit. Um, I would, there is a a note in there about cautioning, looking up photos for certain parts. Cause yeah. Yeah. I I will say if, (laughs) if you want a trigger warning, if I'm talking, that's Mm -hmm. the trigger warning. That's the massive one. There might be some other smaller ones, but that's the big one is if I start talking other than like cracking a joke, but, and the jokes are not any, like I said, yeah, the the jokes are just to keep this lighthearted because as we learned from the Mystery Manor, it gets kind of lectury if you just start reading off history. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I learned it from mm-hmm. if anybody listens to Time Suck by Dan Cummins, he cracks jokes. It It's the way that I listen to history about horrific serial killers. Yeah, and my favorite go to true crime podcast is Morbid. Um, they're hilarious. I love them to death. Um, they actually covered this episode. I also listened to Red Web's cover of this episode. So Red Web, for anyone who's ever heard us talk about it before, it's by our, my favorite YouTubers, Rooster Teeth. Um, and it's actually Alfredo and... Um, thank you, Trevor, who record. And they talk about crazy stuff all the time and it's it's great if you guys ever need something to listen to that you're like intrigued about red web red web is really good time suck is really good it's hit or miss for me because he gets a little little cry cry but um, is also really good if anybody if anybody knows dan cummins and his comedy because he is a comedian (laughs) his his stand-up is really dark so i'm talking about Talking about serial killers, but also how how else do you get through it? You know, how else do you get through talking about something like this? I'm also putting this umbrella down because I'm going to keep playing with it if I don't. Um, (laughs) 
But and yeah, for so. anybody listening, that was like, you know, one of those little drink umbrellas that you can just open and close. <laughs> it's a tiny it was from a snow cone yesterday. Uh Bahama Bucks shout out. Y'all are great. So but anyways such a great treat after football. Uh, if if you forget history, you're doomed to repeat it. Exactly. And this is the first time I think either Reaper or Becca have ever heard about Lake Lanier. So it'll be interesting to get their like live action thoughts and opinions on it because it is a really interesting place. Um, but yeah, I don't think they're familiar with it. I, like I said earlier, I know it was a pretty TikTok for a while. Um, but like I've always said in the past, like my for you page is hilarious. It it has everything. <laughs> Mine doesn't. But Mine's clear, clearly ready, one kind of for you page. Actual. But yeah, if let's get ready, let's I'm get ready. rolling. Let's jump on into it. Um, so yeah, like I said, Lake Lanier is one of those places. Um, when it comes to Lake Lanier, there are two types of websites or stories you're ever going to encounter. Ones that rave about how beautiful the land is and all of the activities they offer, but then also others will recommend that you simply just stay away. And I'm not going to lie, Lake Lanier is gorgeous. It's beautiful. There's lots of amazing things about it. Um, but Lake Lanier is alleged to be a supernatural hotspot with countless reports of ghost sightings, ominous feelings while you're there. Many people swear it's haunted by the spirits of those who live, um, who lived there and lives were tragically ended in the lake, by the lake, near the lake. Um, locals believe that it was cursed from the start. Um, Lake Lanier was named after Georgia native Sidney Lanier. Um, he was a poet and a Confederate Army veteran. He was known for his poems that featured the cracker and Negro dialects, quotes, of the day, of his day. Uh, most of his poems describe the lives of poor white and black farmers of the South. His most famous poems were Corn and The Symphony, both written in 1875. Um, Centennial Meditation was written in 1876. And then his most infamous one was The Song of Catahoochee, written in 1877. Um, so Lake Lanier is located in the northern part of Georgia. Um, it's a lake that covers 38,000 square acres of land. It's known for its aqua blue waters and scenic views that draw millions of people annually. It is a man-made lake, um, and it was formed in 1956 when the Buford Dam was built on the Chattahoochee River. Uh, today, Lake Lanier provides water and power to the metro Atlanta area and draws more than 12 million visitors to its shores each year. And it is still operated by the Army Corps, the U.S. Army Corps, which is pretty interesting. Um, like I said, it's beautiful there. Me, personally, I don't think I'd ever want to go just because, you know, it's creepy. And you'll, you'll find out why. Because she's uh, a so chicken shit, that's why. <laughs> Shut up. Lake Lanier is located between the towns of Gainesville and Buford, and it also borders five separate counties. Um, those counties are Hall at 60%, Forsyth at 30 Dawson and Gwinnett, both at 5%, and Lumpkin, Lumpkin, I don't know, they pronounce it differently than Lumpkin here in Texas, so sorry, at 1%. Um, 
It has about 700 miles of shoreline, most most of which resides in Hall County. So, so that's a pretty... Ju- just a question on that. What is the percentage? Percentage of what? I don't know. You said you said each one of those counties had a percent. What is that like the percentage yeah. of the lake that it covers? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, sorry. I wrote that a bunch of times, and that was the one way that made the most sense so each percentage so it resides so it borders the five separate counties so of those five separate counties 60 percent of the lake is in hall county 30 percent is in forsyth five percent is both held so gwennett and dawson both have five percent of the lake and lumpkin has one percent so most of the lake is located in hall county um it has the most shoreline of all of the counties. Cool. Any other questions thus far? No? Y'all are so quiet. Um, Since its completion, it's estimated that at least 657 people have died in the lake. Of that, most of those bodies have never been recovered. Terrifying. Um, Leaving many to ask why so many people have died there and where do the bodies go? Officials associate the high death toll to the number of visitors annually. You know, logic states that if more people visit, duh, it's going to be a higher death rate. However, the second largest popular lake in Georgia is Lake Alatoona, which boasts comparable numbers of visitors each year. However, Lake Lanier still has twice as many deaths. Again, terrifying. Um, With whispers of ghosts and curses, many Georgia locals find Lake Lanier's position above several old towns to blame for the many deaths. Many point fingers to the complicated and dark history of the land the lake resides on, from the removal of the Cherokee Indians in 1830 to the radical racial cleansing of Forsyth County following the murder of a woman in 1912. Whatever it may be, the land that lies beneath the surface of Lake Lanier is scarred with the sins of the past. That was a hard sentence to read. Um, Also, also a sentence I rewrote seven times because it didn't make sense. Um, Basically, the land is cursed is what I'm going off of. Um, So we're going to take it back to the beginning of the dark past. Up until 1830, the land was home to the Cherokee Indians. That was until the U.S. government forced the community out. In 1838 and 1839, the U.S. troops prompted by the state of Georgia expelled the Cherokee Indians from their ancestral homeland in the southeast, creating the southernmost point of the Trail of Tears, which all of us learned about the Trail of Tears in history. Horrible, horrible. We suck. (laughs) suck um they were relocated to an indian territory in what is now oklahoma the removal of the cherokee indians was a product of demand for land during the rampant growth of the cotton agriculture in the southeast the discovery of gold on cherokee lands and the radical prejudice that many white southerners harbored towards american indians which again the south so. I don't know why, because if you've ever seen Pocahontas, she's hot. I, I, th- <laughs> I think I think that was the original start of Karens, just white ladies being jealous. <laughs> Honestly, though, you're probably not wrong. 
Um, so let's fast forward to after the end of Civil War. Black people who are now free were moving around to find a place to settle and call home. A group of about 1,100 individuals chose to settle down about 45 minutes north of Atlanta off of the Chattahoochee River, and this town was named Oscarville, which the town of Oscarville became a bustling black community that faced a lot of racism and hostility of its white residents and neighbors. The black residents in Forsyth County were determined to make a life for themselves. Most of them worked odd jobs around town or were able to acquire jobs in the nearby towns of Cummings or other surrounding towns. According to the Digital Library of Georgia, there are about 109 black residents who paid a farm tax. That basically means that they these residents either owned or rented farmland that they tended to, which is amazing. Like, for that time period, crazy. That's a lot of people who owned either their own farm or they, you know, like it said, rented farmland to tend to. Which is crazy. Um, the well, town also... Go ahead, sorry. That's uh, sharecropping back then. Pretty much, yeah. That's exactly what it was. Which, even then, like, that's... It's still insane. Like, that's... For them to, you know, want to find a place to make a community and make it thriving. It's sad to see what happens. Um, the town Oscarville also became known for its churches, as well as the people working together to build and protect the community they had worked so hard to create. Um, there was a census taken by Georgia. It was a school census in 1908 that showed 316 children of color had been enrolled in Forsyth. However, at this time, some white residents in Forsyth, Forsyth saw the education of black children as a threat. Which, like, can I just say, as a mom to a half-black child, um, what the fuck? They're children. I understand that it was a different time, but I will never understand how people can be feel, can feel threatened by children. They're children. They just want to learn, just like your kid. What the fuck? Okay, I was kind of, I was kind of well, Let's be honest. White kids know. don't want to live anyway. I mean, they don't want to learn anyways. Exactly. <laughs> no kid wants to go to school. It's a it's a torture. Although in that time, it was like, you know, I get... It was a big deal for them to be able to go to school. Mm-hmm. But, exactly. like, let, let them go to school. I, I've never understood any, any of that. And, you know, part of that's from how I was raised. The whole, oh, well, mm-hmm. we have, we have different, different water fountains. The fuck? Like, it's. Why? Do you, yeah, do you like, think there's different water pipes? Like, the water's coming yeah. from the same place. Exactly, and like that kind of stuff, I never understood the whole the whole concept of it. And you know, I have family. My mom's family is from Missouri, and they are very Southern. I'm gonna say Southern Baptist because that puts an image in everybody's head. Um, they are my grandpa, hundred percent racist. Not a doubt in my mind. My uncle was flabbergasted at the fact that I was 11 years old and didn't know what the N-word was. Oh, I definitely knew what it was by 11. (laughs) I didn't know what it was because my parents never used that word because it's a horrific word. They just called them Canadians. 
I mean, it's the same concept. <laughs> Honestly, it's the same concept. What I mean. <laughs> Called them. I'm glad you found that funny. Canadians. Canadians. I mean, realistically, it's the same concept, but the word, I hate that word. That word makes, gives me goosebumps. Like, I don't like it at all. You know, you know, you know about about the Canadians being racist too. <laughs> about, yeah, I know. About, but yeah, like that was the funniest thing to me. Like <laughs> I didn't know what that was. Also, it probably comes from the fact that I grew up in a predominantly white neighborhood until we moved to Missouri. But yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, not to uh, mention the fact that your your dad's such a lovely human on the subject. Yeah. He's great. He's fabulous. He's so tolerant. Um, that's sarcasm for anyone who can't tell. Um, <laughs> yes. But um, have you guys ever heard of Forsyth County? Like, has that ever been something you guys ever heard about? Or is this the first time you've ever heard about it? I have not. I, I didn't either. Um, do you guys know the term sundown town or sundown county? Mm-mm. Yeah. I've definitely heard that term, but I didn't know it was a place in Georgia, that's for sure. Yeah, so sundown towns and sundown counties, I've heard the term but never really knew what it meant. Um, so for those of us, those of you, um, who've never heard the term sundown town or sundown county, I'm going to go ahead and tell you what that means according to Cohen R., who wrote this article, Sundown Towns in 2020 for blackpast.org. So a sundown town or county is described as an all-white community, neighborhood, town, or counties that exclude blacks and other minorities through the use of discriminatory laws, harassment, threats of violence, or acts of violence. The name derives from the both posted and verbal warnings issued to minorities that although they may be allowed to work and or travel in a community during the daytime, they must leave by sundown. Although the term often refers to the forced exclusion of blacks, the history of sundown towns also includes prohibiting Jews, Native Americans, Chinese, Japanese, and any other minority groups. So I've... I've heard that term, but I know of another term that's very similar. It's called the hoedown town, and that's where hoes <laughs> can't come out until dark. <laughs> I'm pretty sure every town is a hoedown town because, you know, uh, creepy crawlies don't come out until dark. Um, can we talk <laughs> about my other favorite term that I love? It has absolutely nothing to do with this, but it's a lot lizard. Do you guys know what a lot lizard a is? A lot lizard. I love that word. Yes. Italy. <laughs> yeah, a lot, so a, lot a lot lizard is a hoe that works like truck stops. Yeah, it's great. She literally watch them go from truck to truck, knocking on Back. the door. Back to well. You want some so stank? I, I got some stank. Pretty much, because you know, you know that that trucker is going to itch in the morning. <laughs> it's like it's like going to a fish market right before close. Right. <laughs> or, hey, truck driver, you feeling lonely? Let me take my teeth out for you. <laughs> I'm gonna need one. I'm gonna need one. I'm real good. 
<laughs> yeah, that's called a gum job. <laughs> gum job. <laughs> Okay. That's where, well, that's where it's at. I, hey, <laughs> listeners, I, listeners, I told y'all. Hey, don't dish it until you've, you've experienced it, okay? <laughs> I, we told you. There's going to be I, lots of chances. I told like you. This to we, we have to crack jokes because otherwise this gets really, really heavy. Yeah, why not? Let's uh, just talk about gummy blowjobs while we talk about a lake that drowned a town. <laughs> Okay, so historians have estimated that there were up to 10,000 sundown towns in the United States between 1890 and 1960. My dad was born in 1960. That is too recent, in my I opinion. My dad was too. Or he was born in like 1968. Yeah, mine was 69. Fact- <laughs> yeah. Hot. The fact that that was still an issue, like... I don't think schools put it into perspective how recent some of this actually happened, which is oh yeah. Uh, but most of these towns were located in the Midwest, Midwest and West parts of the United States. They began to form when large numbers of blacks left the South to escape racism and poverty, as they migrated to other regions of the country. Almost said county, country. Many white communities actively discouraged them from settling there. Oh, so they moved west, so California wasn't always a utopia? Nope. Like it is now? Like, <laughs> California is a clusterfuck of fuckery, all right? Let's not even get into California. And, and like, uh, one of those things on how, how recent this happened, like, think, Martin Luther King, he didn't die till 1968. The yeah. Queen of England was in her, was almost 40 at that time. Like, yeah. this stuff did not yeah. happen long ago at all. No, it didn't. And it, like I said, I, it's mind-boggling researching all of this. But um, ha- having having said that, none of the last, I would say, two generations, and that's including, like, people like the Nugget, who are young, and mm-hmm. us... Like, none of us have grown up in a time where where we support any of this. You know what I mean? Or how to deal with this. Having said that, if anybody's ever been in a Call of Duty lobby, oh, you yeah. will hear the most out in Reaper knows, and it's why when we play Call of Duty, we don't stream game chat. And people that do, like, good luck to you, because you never know what some somebody's going to say. But... Yeah. That's why the nugget doesn't get to play in Call of Duty lobby. Not unless he's sitting in a party. But even then, he doesn't play yeah. online anyways, unless he's with us. But it's it's like you know we've we've had this conversation before, but but it it's crazy. It's always been crazy to me. But I remember a time where where you know it, it wasn't as not to say it wasn't wrong like looking back but there was a time where like everybody said it as as, and I'm not talking about as an adult understanding but as a kid like I remember times at football but there's there's a difference between 
you know, it was it's a it's a brotherhood, you know, but mm-hmm. but it's just it's that's changed and in my lifetime in 28 years that's changed where it went from like a camaraderie of like and also you knew you know obviously you're not going to walk down the street and just just say say whatever to somebody but but there were times where i'd have you know a black friend that said to me and i was like hey like, mm-hmm. like that's my boy. You know what I'm talking about. But now, like I've had, I've had it said to me now, and I'm like, hey, like, like, you, you, is this a trap? Are you trying to get me to say it back? Because I'm not gonna say it back. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, think about it. Since you brought up, because you brought up the game lobbies, or, like the voice chat lobbies and everything. Like when we were growing up, the the worst thing you had to deal with was people changing their name to something silly, like. AIDS. So when it popped up, you got killed by your mom, or you got killed by AIDS, or you know. And we la- we would laugh at that because we thought it was funny. And now you've got people just throwing racial slurs and all kinds of stuff, and it, and it's like I we let Isaac play with his headset, and there's almost times where I don't want to let him play because I know what some of the lobbies contain, and it's just mm-hmm. like yeah. Yeah, for I've noticed Fortnite is not nearly as bad. No. Um Fortnite's generally not that bad. But I have definitely seen clips and and been in lobbies with some randoms. And it's why when I play Fortnite I play on Don't Fail. Um be, and I do the same thing on Warzone. I know you, I'm I think you do too. Yeah. Uh but I generally don't play with randoms and it's just because you don't know who you're going to get, you know, and most of the time people are not. And then also when you're recording on Twitch, all it takes is, is somebody, somebody hear you mention chat and, and they'll either take it one way or they'll go off. And it's just like, you know, they're, they're reacting. Oh, well, well, Oh, you think you're better because you're streaming right now? Like, no, I know I'm trash. You know what I mean? I had a good experience with that playing with randoms. I played with randoms for the first time on Apex. And I'm trash at Apex, but the two random dudes that I hooked up with, those dudes were great. And if you guys saw that stream, it was amazing because we were all trash. They were cracking me up. And we were 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 having fun. They were like, we all suck. (laughs) Right. Like, like when I joined back into them after the game, they were like, hey, he's back. You know, and people... People like that are great, you know, and if you can get in a game and have a good conversation with somebody, it's one thing. But the truth is that's so rare now where you almost you almost have to know who you're jumping in a game with. And there Mm -hmm. there are apps to help with that where you can be like, hey, I'm looking for a squad or you make a discord. Speaking of which, we do have a discord for the podcast, Undead Family Podcast Discord. Link will be in the description because we need to start getting people in there. But I mean, it's for a lot for every game. It's not, you know, it's not just Call of Duty or Apex or Fortnite. You know, you run, I run into it in NASCAR lobby all the time. Well, I mean, grand, granted, it is NASCAR. Well, I'm, NASCAR, only, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. NASCAR's but, not racist as it used to be. We've, we've got, uh, we've, you know, they've got uh, Daniel Suarez from Mexico and they've got, you know, Bubba Wallace and, uh, you know, um, 
They've had several women in the past. Um, but the truth, the truth um, about the truth about NASCAR is though that it costs so much money to get into that sport that it's not even a race barrier. It's a money barrier for oh, anybody yeah. mm-hmm. because just to even get to the level of NASCAR, you got to start in the dirt tracks. You got to start in it's, it's, oh, so smaller it's, oval tracks. It's even harder for second, second <laughs> and third drivers. Okay. So here recently, up until the beginning of the season, a charter for a cup team to start a cup team was $10 million. Yeah, that's insane. So Dale Jr., everybody knows, Everybody should know who Dale Jr. is. Dale Earnhardt Jr. is the son of the late Dale Earnhardt, who was killed uh, in at Daytona in the Daytona 500. Um, horrific crash. Mm-hmm. I'm not even a NASCAR fan, and I've seen that crash. Um, anyway, had an illustrious career, retired. He runs his own race team, Junior Motorsports, in the Xfinity Series. And in the last two seasons, he has been talking about getting a charter and starting a cup team. He's got the driver pool. He's got a lot of good talent at Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series. He's just trying to get these guys in the cup. And as soon as they changed, because they changed the price of a charter, it went up $10 million. It's now $20 million for a charter for a cup team. And Dale Jr., as soon as they changed it, said, yeah, no. Right. Why why are you going to put that kind of money? Like, what does that money go to? That's my question. That literally goes to. And that's just to put one car in the field. Like, and that's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, and and that's not that that 20 million is not. Oh, that's money for car and parts and this and that. That's no. permission to get that car into the race. Exactly. And so, thing, the one thing that NASCAR does that I do like about it is the money from the charters goes into the payout for the races, and it also goes back to the tracks for updates, uh, repaves, anything that any kind of maintenance or upkeep that they need. So they do put it back into the sport. But at the same time, you're taking $20 million out of your pocket to give to NASCAR to say, hey, I'm now allowed to race one car in a 36-car field every Sunday for an entire season. Yeah, and that's per year, too. That's not like, oh, one time, this or that. And then my question is, what what portion of those charters – what do they get out of ticket sales? What do they get out of uh, concession sales? Because I know those aren't those aren't three dollar beers; they're fifteen dollar beers. And at NASCAR for a race of like the Daytona Five Hundred, you know how long it takes to do five hundred laps. Let Let's put. I'll throw this out there: a ticket for the Daytona Five Hundred race usually sells out two years in advance, and they are. Three, four, five, six hundred thousand dollar tickets. That's now, that's five hundred to a thousand dollars. That's not six hundred thousand dollars for a ticket. No, but uh, I mean, that's not even including pit passes or camping or 
any of that stuff. Oh, yeah, to put an yeah. RV in the center of Daytona? Those those tickets are ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I, feel like, I just feel like the history of NASCAR is so rich, but today i just i don't know i don't dig it anymore you know like the history i love the history of it but i just don't see the appeal anymore oh i'm much i'm much more inclined to watch f1 or formula drift to be honest yeah absolutely uh but i will say the cool thing about the history of nascar is that those guys in the beginning those guys were bootleggers they they started driving with alcohol that's yeah, how NASCAR they, they, got started, which is crazy, and that's super cool. But mm-hmm. it's grown. It's the same thing like the Texans play today, right? And granted, the Texans are dog shit. But like me and Dom, me and the Nuggets uh, head coach, we were talking about it because we we're watching the game on my phone at first at the birthday party we were at today, and we're looking in the in the stands. And it was maybe 20% capacity of NRG. And it's like... Yeah, for an opener. Yeah, for a season opener. And that part of that is... Part of that is what the NFL has become. The NFL used to be... And it, granted, for football players, it is the dream, right? The NFL is the dream of getting out of a terrible situation of... of saving your family from this and that. Like I saw I saw a clip from the Ravens, a rookie signing bonus was nine million dollars. For a rookie, that's crazy. That's amazing that he got that. And I don't remember the guy's name, to be honest, but I'm glad he got it. Because there is so much money in the NFL. Like these players that are getting hundred million dollars, hundred and forty million dollars for for three or five years, whatever it is. And granted, talking about the top level quarterbacks and this and that, but like that is so much money. Like when you look at what, what a practice, what the practice squad makes, what $250,000 a year, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year. Like that's almost 10 times what I make working in a hospital. Mm hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like that is it's it's crazy that we're playing and not to steal, you know, Daniel Tosh's line, but these overpaid clowns. Like granted, they're the some of the greatest athletes on the planet. But I would much rather watch college football on any day of the week. Honestly, as somebody who never watched college football, who started watching it because, you know, the Nuggets playing football and I want him to see what it's like when, you know, collegiate athletes and stuff like the next month, we're going to one of the varsity high school games with his team. And it's also they can see, you know, people who have been playing for a long period of time, how they play together to like get them in the, the zone and watching college football is amazing. I have never seen so many points in a game, honestly. I, well, I don't even remember. I think we were watching Baylor play Michigan. 
Yeah, Baylor had like 68 points or something like that. Something crazy. And they were fighting for every single play. And that's what I told the Nugget. I was like, look at that. Look at how. And I was like, even Michigan. I was like, look at Michigan. They're getting hammered. I don't even think they scored. I was like, they are getting pummeled. But look at them. They're not giving up. They're fighting. They're fighting for everything that they have. Because why? He's like, because they want to play. I was like, exactly. Thanks, buddy. And we were we were talking about it with the coaches. And this game, they had completely thrown their playbook out after the first game. And the, the boys had two practices. Only two whole practices where they had to learn the entire playbook. The whole new playbook. Offense and defense. And keep in mind, we exactly. have 18 kids on the team. Exactly. That's a lot of plays for two practices for them to go from getting no points on the on the scoreboard to 18 to scoring first to massive plays that they were having. It was amazing. And it just it makes me so excited for the rest of the games. They played their first game. They played the top team. Literally. Yeah, we're talking about a team that's been together since flag. Exactly. The Texans team is a newer team, but they're not the only solid team out there. What did he say? He said um, the Bears, Vikings, the Vikings and the Bears have been all playing with each other since black. I think the Patriots have too. Yeah. And, you know, our team, our team is half new kids who either have never played or have very little playtime. And then half kids who've played since flag. Problem with the pros, and I and I've seen it coming, and I've said it several times to to several people. The problem with the pro football players, and even pro baseball players, you know, you look at players like in the major in Major League Baseball, Yadier Molina, uh, Brandon Phillips. Those are guys that play because they love the game. You've got players like that in the NFL. You've got players like that in NHL, NBA. And then you've got players that lost sight of the fact that they get to do what every kid in the country dreams of doing. They get paid to play. Play being the word. You're playing a game. You're playing a sport. And that every kid wants to play. Absolutely. Heroes of thousands of kids. Ruins the game. You know, how many times has the NFL in the past 10 years been on strike because the players aren't say they're not making enough money? How many times has Major League Baseball been shut down? You know, we we were we almost didn't have a season this year because after the COVID scare, after the COVID incident, these players didn't felt they weren't making enough money to be on the field. So they went on strike. You're kidding me. That's the craziest thing to me. Well, it's like, you know, if you want to talk about, like, the ridiculous of COVID and and understand, I understand that not everybody agrees with Aaron Rodgers, but if you want to hear behind the scenes of what really went on during COVID with the NFL, I urge you, go listen to, go watch the episode of the Joe Rogan experience with Aaron Rodgers. Because he breaks down the ridiculousness of not only 
segregation between vaccinated and unvaccinated players, but the ridiculousness of, oh, oh, because this guy is vaccinated, he can go wherever he wants. Like, we're talking about a yellow star on your shirt just because you didn't have, you know, because you were a different religion or, I mean, I guess technically... I don't know, is Jewish considered a race? I guess it is technically, but I I consider it a religion. But I mean a religion, it's not a race. It it is, but to I don't think to them it is. I think that that's you know, it's their people and this and that. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like and it's what a lot of people are urged about during COVID where this whole vaccine, oh, you need a vaccination card to go into this place. Well, guess what? I'm, I'm not coming to your, your whatever, your state, exactly. your whatever. I've been vaccinated and boosted. And I'm telling you right now, I don't have a vaccination card. And even if I did, nobody would see it because it's ridiculous. I'm not showing you that. You have no reason to even need to know about my medical history. You can fuck mm-hmm. off. Right. 100% agree. This tangent went from NASCAR to football to COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But but it is it is the it is the ridiculousness of of you have this much money and it's it and it's all it's all it's all circle, circling around the ridiculousness of segregating because of money or because of this or because of COVID or whatever but it's the same thing about like it was my biggest issue with Colin Kaepernick and it and I know that that's a tough subject for some people because you believe in what he knelt for or whatever but the problem is and granted there's a place and time for everything but during the national anthem like what do you what? Like, the national anthem represents something greater than than issues and and BS in, in our lives. You know, it, it represents the people that died for that flag. You that know what I mean? To die for that flag. Right. The to this day, the the thirteen lives lost in lost in Afghanistan. The you know, and don't even. Don't even get me started on on that whole debacle. But anyways, this has been a 25-minute tangent. And (laughs) I hope you you enjoyed it. I would leave it right where it is because I think it it was a good conversation. Um, But I didn't say I was going to get rid of it. I just might find a different spot for it. It's okay. Well, I mean, the... It all started off of off of the subject that we were talking about. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. I'll do it. Okay. So back to Sundown Town. So like we we're saying, lots of white communities were actively discouraging people from settling. Um, in its most blatant forms, there were signs placed at city limits. One in Alex or Alex, Arkansas. In the 1930s, for instance, read N-word. Not going to say it. Don't let the sun go down on you and Alex. No balls. <laughs> Others stated white only after dark. 
In the 1940s, Edmond, Oklahoma posted, promoted itself on postcards with the slogan, a good place to live, no Negroes. A small town of Mena, Arkansas, advertised its many charms, cool summers, mild winters, no blizzards, and no Negroes. In other cases, the policy was enforced through less formal norms and sanctions. Many sundown towns were discriminatory. Um, sorry. Many sundown towns used discriminatory housing to ensure no non-white person would be allowed to purchase or rent a home. Businesses that served black customers or hired black employees would be boycotted by the white townspeople ensuring that blacks had few, if any, job opportunities in those communities. Well, let's just be honest. They didn't want your business anyways. Factual. And that goes um, today. If you're going to boycott because of a certain person was hired, then... Uh, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. <laughs> Um, historians have found that most sundown towns deliberately hid the means by which they became and remained all white. Apart from oral histories, there are few or often few archival records that describe precisely how sundown towns excluded blacks. Laws and policies that enforced racial exclusion have largely disappeared, but de facto sundown towns existed well into the 1980s which is horrific. Now that you understand what a sundown town is or what a sundown county is, you can probably suspect that Forsyth County was a sundown town. Forsyth is where Oscarville was located. Um, in fact, it was probably one of the worst sundown counties. And even now it appears that it could still potentially be a sundown county, which is insane. Although black residents who settled into Forsyth County tried to move forward and to make a life of their own, they feared that the violence against them could break through at any time. By the end of 1912, two incidents, one a lynching, and the increased violence against the black population led to the mass exodus of almost every black person from Forsyth. Goblin will be giving you the reports of the local re incidents and the following actions taken by the locals. I am going to put a trigger warning in here right now. It's rough. Um, I had a hard enough time reaching the topic, researching the topic, reading about it. I had to take a lot of breaks to get through it. Um, I do want to remind you guys that this is these events take time in the South where we know racism was, is a major issue. Um, so this is your trigger warning that the ship is <sighs> There were days that Goblin would come home and just look at my face and go, are you okay? And I'm like, nope, people suck because it's rough. Um, so this is where I'm going to pass the gauntlet over to Gobblegoo um, to go over <laughs> all of this. This is not what he wanted to read. Nope. No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> I'm not looking forward to this. Just because, and for anybody that doesn't understand, I have refused to read this because one, I wanted a genuine reaction of me reading it as, as well as I also, 
I had about three minutes of it read. And granted, that's three minutes of it with her struggling to read this section to me so I would know what was in it. And I was just like, nah, I'm good. I was like, I was like, I can't, I can't even like hear this right now. I was, I was like, no. So cheers to anybody with my tea. <laughs> no, um, for me. I'm drinking Gatorade. Yeah, Beck is very quiet. <laughs> I'm just pondering life's questions at the moment. <laughs> forty-two. The answer is always forty-two. Right. Forty-two. Forty-two. What? Forty-two of what? Listen, the uh, movie. If you haven't, that? if you haven't seen the movie Forty-two, is, I have not. Is it? Is it the movie Forty-two? That's the one with uh, with Hugh Hugh Jackman where he's got the ball sack chin, right? 47. Uh, is that movie 47? Yeah, 42 is the is the uh, Jackie Robinson story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, enough stalling. If it wasn't clear, that was what I was doing. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Tried to segue. It didn't work. <laughs> maybe, maybe a little bit. I, I tried really hard to bring up a ball sack chin, and nobody was having it. Okay. <laughs> I figured talking about ball sacks would be more fun than this, but y'all didn't want to do it, so okay. Uh, again, going to give you a massive trigger warning. This next part does include a lot of uh, rape, horrific beating and murder of people, hangings, and lynch mobs. You know, not like flash mobs, but with a good lynching. Uh, let's get into the demise of the town known as Oscarville. Which I hope it burned to the ground. Uh, this story had various variations of how or what happened, but this is the most reported depiction of the events that happened on September 5th, 1912. 22 year old Ellen Grice, a white resident, said she had awoken to two black men that attempted to rape her, but unsuccessful due to her mother scaring them away. A few days later, in the Forsyth County Sheriff, a few days later, the Forsyth County Sheriff, William Reed, arrested not one, but five black men in connection with the attempted assault. They were Isaiah Perkle, Johnny Bates, Tony Howell, Fate Chester, and Joe Rogers. Tony Howell was actually the one accused of the crime. But one, but the other men claimed he was with them at the time. All five men were put in jail in the coming town square. Word of this arrest spread the black commu- spread to the black community, and on September seventh, nineteen twelve, a local pastor by the name of Grant Smith demanded the men be released due to the lack of evidence to support her claim. He also stated that perhaps Ellen may have been involved in a consensual relationship. Soon after his comments were made, Smith was beaten by an angry white mob. The mob wanted Smith to be hanged or burned alive. He was beaten to almost the point of death for just a mere suggestion of there being an interracial... Is that who you spoke? 
It was that's and, probably not. How that's you not. Intro that's intro. not how you smell. That's what threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was uh, he was beaten to almost the point of death for just the mere suggestion of being in of there being an interracial consensual relationship. The governor of Georgia, Joseph Mackey Brown, sent the National Guard in to prevent riots and transferred the men to multiple jails for their for safety. And they ended up being in an Atlanta jail. Two days later, on September 9th, 1912, May Crow, 18-year-old white woman, was found on the banks of the Chattahoochee River, raped, beaten, bloody, and was hidden under a pile of leaves. There are mixed reports if May was found unconscious and sequentially sequentially died in the hospital. <laughs> or sorry guys I'm, she probably sees her typos and just reads over them and and I'm catching them and I'm like what is that word supposed to be like, sequentially died in the hospital or she was found dead her head had been bashed in with a stone when investigators searched the scene it was alleged that a small pocket mirror was found it is alleged that this mirror belonged to a 16 year old boy named Ernest Knox who was arrested at his home. Okay. So, I, I, I gotta ask. How the fuck do they... Oh, you, you know that a 16-year-old boy owns a mirror? Mm-hmm. Like, a mirror. That's your evidence. A pocket mirror. Not to mention, it's on the banks of the Chattahoochee River. Who's to say it didn't fall in the lake or the the river further north and it just drifted and landed there or he was there previously and it just ended up there and it was just a bad spot? Like, detective work back in the olden days grinds my gears. <clears throat> well, I mean, that's that's like chalk, out, chalk outlines in crime scene photos. Like, oh, well, this is where the body must have been. Like, well, no Mm -hmm. shit, Sherlock. Thank you, Captain Obvious. All right. That is not the only thing that I pulled out of that, but (laughs) it this whole story is so ridiculous. It's 100% ridiculous. Uh, yeah. Once again, there was no substantial evidence that tied Knox to the rape and brutal beating of May. Other than the alleged mirror, Knox's Knox's was Knox. It's just plural. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't understand why there's an apostrophe S there. Knox was then subjected subjected to a mock lynching where they coerced him into a confession of the uh, attack of May, May Crow. It was reported in the local papers that the black residents had threatened to blow up or dynamite the town if there were any lynchings. Due to this alleged report, Knox was snuck out the back door of the jail and transported to an Atlanta jail to wait trial to avoid the lynch mob waiting for him. I I hope they would have blown up the town. I'm not going to lie. Um... uh, and I, I just want to say that lynch mobs are ridiculous. And, and 
this is this is also my point in this story where I believe every black family should have an AR-15 for every single person in the house. And they should all know how to use it to protect their family because this is ridiculous. And an AR-15 is the best weapon you can use for (laughs) self-defense because it's going to get the job done 100% of the time. Uh, Anyways, and also... Yeah, also it's, you know... (laughs) scary and black and everybody loves that Uh, (laughs) uh, the day after the confession three more arrests followed Knox's cousin 18 year old Oscar Daniel 22 year old Trussy Jane Daniel and 24 year old Robert Edwards the reason for these arrests you ask well according to the sheriff these men assisted Knox in the rape and attack of May Crow. Would you like to guess what happened next? I mean, I could. I could probably guess it. Uh, September 10th, a lynch mob. 2,000 people formed. Yeah. AR-15s. They'll stop a lynch mob. I can promise you that. Uh, 2,000 people. 2,000 people. You know how many people that is? That's a lot of fucking people. It was like 10% at the time, wasn't it? Something crazy? Yeah, think about, like, what is... Ducky, can you go back and look? What is the population at this time of of Oscarville, September 10th <laughs> of, what is this, 1912? I think. I think that's the year. Yeah, September 10th, 1912. What's the population... <laughs> Of Oscarville at that time. Because it seems like that's almost everybody in that city. And keep in mind, Oscarville was predominantly African American. Which means like today, in riots and all kinds of shit, people were being trucked in and bussed in from other cities and they have nothing to do with what's going on in a specific city. But they're there just to take advantage because people like violence. Do you ever Um, were you able to find that population number? Because now I'm I'm really curious. Because I feel like two thousand people in a small town in Georgia back then is a lot of fucking people. I mean, it's a lot of people, anyways. Could you imagine if I had 2,000 people in one of my Twitch streams? That would be amazing. That would be ridiculous. I would be so happy. Even a 10% of y'all just hit the follow button. Hey, if you guys are listening to this and you don't follow my Twitch, twitch.tv slash goblin350z. Also, nice plug. yeah, right? Check this other plug out. Twitch.tv slash reapersdouble91. Hit him up with a follow okay. as well. So, from what I can find, there's not an exact number, but out of the 1,098 residents, black residents, that was about 10% of the population. So, if you want to figure out that math, what's the 90%? Uh, 
Well, I mean, it's, it's about 100,000 people in the town, give or take. Right? Okay. It wouldn't be 1,000 times 10? No, that's 10,000 people. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty crazy. So, so if there's 10,000 people in the town, a th- almost a little over 1,000, so 9,000 people. So, I... I've got to, I got to figure this out. Oh, okay, hold on, hold on. So, that's for Georgia. So, I don't think I'm doing this math right, but it kind of seems like um, the, that 2,000 people is about 45%, which that's definitely not the right math. I don't think I okay. did well, that start, math. So, this is the census for 19... Um, so pretty close. So, oh my God, Serville isn't even. <laughs> here. All right. Anyway, we're uh, we're we're gonna on. move Forsyth, on. For all of Forsyth County in 1910, the population was 11,940. So that's an entire county. So it's an entire county. So the nearby town of Cummings had 2,061 people. That's that a whole ass town. town. That's a whole town of people came for this. isn't even included in this. I'm sure it's not. Because I bet I bet that most of the people that actually lived in Oscarville didn't even show up. So, anyways. Jesus. September 10th, a lynch mob of 2,000 fucking idiots formed they stormed it in the jail cell they dragged rob edwards out they brutally beat and shot him multiple times then hung his body on a telephone pole while people took turns shooting him not a single person was held accountable for the lynching despite thousands of witnesses according to an eyewitness i'm gonna tell you i'm going to tell you I'm going to now. tell you now. Now. Sorry. There are Sorry. photos of this event online. Ducky found them by accident, and they are awful. Don't look at them, guys. Uh-uh. Uh, just, don't do just don't. It's, it's... There's a reason Live Leak was taken down. You don't no. want to see it. It's not good. As for the other two individuals arrested with Edwards, they were charged with the rape and beating of May Crow and sentenced to death by hanging. Even though it was illegal in the state of Georgia, on the date of their execution, over 8,000 residents of Forsyth County and other neighboring counties came to witness the public hanging. You heard that right. It was illegal illegal in the state of Georgia to have a public hanging, a death sentence by hanging. They still did it. Oh. Like, I understand that most people now probably wouldn't support this, but if you live in those counties now, I just, guys, this is the reason I didn't want to read this, because I knew how bad it was going to get. 
this was just the beginning of the ruthless violence that was directed to the black community in Forsyth County. Mobs formed and would roam around the streets threatening residents, and some even would fire guns into black-owned homes. This is why black homes should have firearms to protect themselves. There are actually entire cities where it is a law that every household has to have a firearm in it. And you know what the crime is in those cities? Extremely low. I'm looking into the camera as if my camera is on so you can understand my seriousness, but it's not on. Firearms protect people. They're a tool. If idiots use them, it's a tool for idiocracy. If good people use them to protect their families... Guess what? It's a tool for protection. Anyways. Uh, uh, da, 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 da. So not only would they fire into black-owned homes, also businesses and churches. White residents known as Night Riders. How dare you ruin that show? It's an amazing yep. show. Kit, awesome car. Uh, would would ride on horseback at night, burning homes and throwing explosives into buildings. This violence continued until nearly all of the county's black population fled. I mean, I wouldn't be ex- be against the black population killing all of those people because they're idiots and don't deserve to live. Uh, but I also understand that uh, it's very outnumbered. Uh, This resulted in the displacement of almost all 1,100 black residents from Forsyth County. The black residents were forced to start over, securing jobs and opening businesses wherever they could. Those who owned land in Forsyth no longer felt safe coming back to claim what was theirs. Before the end of 1912, Forsyth County's population was about 10% of black residents, according to the 2020 census of Forsyth County, had a population of 236,605, of which 77.6% is white, 15.5% is Asian, 9.7% is Hispanic or Latino, 4.4% is black or African-American, and 1.9% is two or more races, and the remaining 0.05% is American Indian. And that is the horrific past of Oscarville. (laughs) I'm going to go past... (laughs) I'm going to pass this back to Ducky and cry that I don't have a White Claw to drink after reading that. (laughs) There is a white claw. It's in the back of the fridge. Back left. Oh. I saw it the other day when I was looking for my truly. Oh, you queen. I will be right back. (laughs) I'll wait. This will be a nice little intermission for everyone to cleanse their mind. Because now we're getting into the more, um, more or less paranormal side of it. Um, No more crazy... R word because I hate that word with a passion. Um, but yeah, crazy. Really into like I I don't think I've ever told you in Goblin, but I'm really like super into the paranormal. 
Me too. The amount. Like my mom. I want to go back. Process buying it. So I went to my mother in law and got sage, palo santo wood, and uh, quartz for my mom's house. (laughs) Have her sprinkle salt at her door. Um, Burn sage. Um, yeah, I'm all about it. I want to go back to New Orleans and go on more paranormal, um, tours and stuff because it's amazing. If you've never been to Chattanooga, Chattanooga has a ghost tour that is phenomenal. Um, we actually had some paranormal experiences on the tour. Oh, that's cool. Went back to some spots that we had toured, and this is uh, for you, Chad. Kind of investigated it a little bit, oh. and got some some really good evidence doing that too. So, like Chattanooga, that white car hit the spot. Hell yeah! <laughs> and then now he's making, now he's making me want to go get a peach smirnoff. Right. All right. So now that we know the dark past of Lake Lanier. And what it's home to. We're going to fast forward about 30 years um, to about 1946. This is when the United States Army Corps of Engineers was given the daunting task of building a dam on the Chattahoochee River. I love to say Chattahoochee. It is hilarious. Chattahoochee love and it. a hoochie coochie. <laughs> um, they Do you not know where that song was from? I know. It I gets hotter than it. It gets hotter than a hoochie coochie. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh so they were giving the a sounds so good. <laughs> Later, um, they wanted to create a reservoir or a man-made lake that would generate hydroelectricity and supply water to the city of Atlanta. It would also help with flood control and the general navigation of the river. The U.S. government needed to acquire. Whoops, when you click out of what you're reading, that was tragic. Hold on. (laughs) Okay. I'm just looking for typos. (laughs) Shut up. The U.S. government needed to acquire the rights to more than 56,000 acres of land in Forsyth, Hall, Gwinnett, and Dawson counties. Most of this land was farmland, but it did include some small towns like Oscarville. Starting in 1948, to prepare for Lake Lanier, the first property was purchased by the government. This was the Shadburns Ferry for $4,100. This was 100 acres of land owned by an 81-year-old ferryman, Henry Shadburn. So, I did the conversion for you guys. In today's current market... $4,100 is the equivalent to $49,184.52. So it was a decent, a decent price that they gave him. Um, I would say for a hundred acres, that's, you know, in, in, in today's money, that's pretty substantial. Yeah. You'd be lucky if you could get a hundred acres in Texas for $49,000. Exactly. Over the next two years, the government continued to purchase more prime fertile farmland, 
as well as bottomland from the people and businesses alike. The acquisition of so much land did not go as smoothly as originally planned. Shocker. Many families held their land close to their hearts. The author of Underwater Ghost Towns of North Georgia wrote, the government assured the landowners that they were being paid for the true value of their land and buildings, but the residents found it hard to price generations of memories, hard work, and deep roots. A host of emotions accompanied the talk of relocation, anger, resentment, fear, bewilderment, (laughs) anxiety, bewilderment, and apprehension. To them, their land was priceless, which honestly, I can imagine if I had been on a farm, you know, that was held by my family for years, and now you're being told, yeah, you gotta go, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, fuck you, I gotta go. The fuck you mean I gotta go? Well, I mean, we all know that the U.S. government pays exactly what things are worth, right? Oh, yeah, totally, 100%. The U.S. government never wastes money. Nope. No. We would never hire 87,000 IRS <laughs> workers to yeah. be armed federal agents to collect taxes, right? Mm-hmm. That would never happen. Um, it is unknown how many homes and families were reclo- relocated during this time period. There are estimates of anywhere from 250 to 700 families, so it's a lot of variations. Um, this also doesn't include the families that refused to leave and their lands were seized and they were forcibly removed. Although the, uh, the government offered generous payments, many declined the offers to sell. And at least one resident had to physically be removed by force from their property. From my research, it was not strictly indicated that the homes, farms, and businesses belonged to the remaining what happened. Um, Hold on, rewind. From my research, it's not strictly indicated that the homes, farms, and businesses belonged to the remaining black citizens of Forsyth. Records did, however, show that the land that once that they had fled from Forsyth had been lost. These properties and land somehow then ended up in the hands of their white neighbors without any bill of sales or without any kind of transfers. So essentially, if a black family left their home, their business, their farmland, they were not paid by the government. The white citizens took that property and then were paid by the government when they came. Fucking white people. Elliot Jaspin is quoted by the Digital Library of Georgia and the New Georgia Encyclopedia that only about 24 of 40 black landowners in Forsyth were able to sell their lands. The other properties are believed to have been taken by the white residents or simply abandoned. How fucked is that? Not only were you possibly, you and your family possibly run out of the town that you created, but then also to have what may be family land that was worked on for generations taken from you without your permission. Like, you were forced out of your home. You hear, oh, cool, you know, these people are going to purchase this land for me. Nope, just kidding. They bought it from, you know, John Doe from down the street because he said it was his property. Bitch, get the fuck out of here. 
anyway. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure their record keeping was really accurate back Phenomenal. then. Phenomenal, exactly. Phenomenal, top notch. <laughs> the Buford Dam finally broke ground on March 1st, 1950, and took six years and close to 45 million dollars to complete. Who paid this for this pales in comparison to the destruction caused by this project. It destroyed more than just farmland and homes. A total of 15 businesses and six churches either needed to be moved or deconstructed. While most of the wooden structures or anything that could potentially wind up floating to the surface in the towns was torn down, while anything made of brick or concrete was left behind to be swallowed by the water. Um, so... For those of us who have ever been to small southern towns, you know what towns also have an abundance of? Cemeteries. They had to move anywhere from 15 to 20 cemeteries in towns that would soon be, from the towns that would soon be underwater. To do that, they needed to have the graves disinterred and moved. It's unlikely due to most of the cemeteries being small family-based cemeteries that every grave was successfully relocated before the lake was filled. Keep in mind, cemeteries that you guys are probably thinking about are not what a majority's, majority of these cemeteries look like. So, you know, I know we're used to, you know, big stretches of land having, you know, this nice cemetery that's taken care of and, you know, this, that, it's got groundspeople. But if you've ever driven through a small town, There are some small town cemeteries, especially in the South. People have cemeteries in their backyard that they just know. Oh, you see that rock over there? Yeah, that's where Uncle Bubba is is buried. So think about that. So where Bubbles the goldfish is buried. So, (laughs) so just speaking of cemeteries and a wild fact, did you know that in New Jersey, that cemeteries are exempt from paying taxes and shit? Or, like, they have a bunch of, like, write-offs. And there is no specification for how many bodies have to be buried for you to technically have a cemetery. So all it takes is one, and you can say, oh, this this is a cemetery. Mm-hmm. Which is why yeah. Trump's golf course... It's technically a cemetery in New Jersey. It's so bad. (laughs) It's one. His ex-wife. No, his ex-wife. His ex-wife is buried, I think, at hole number one, if I remember correctly. That's amazing. Yeah. So he doesn't have golf course because it's a cemetery. Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh, I don't remember the. I don't want to say he doesn't pay taxes on it. I just. I know there's a bunch of. I heard about it on a podcast, um, but there's a bunch of like definite like tax cuts for for yeah. wild shit in this country. If you know, it's crazy. How, how to like business people are fucking geniuses when it comes to taxes. Well, look at all the dumb laws in the country too. Like, did you know oh, that? Yeah. If- Florida, it's illegal to walk your pet alligator on a leash. In the state of Texas, it's illegal to own more than five dildos. 
Yeah, there's. I mean, there's so Wait. many dumb balls out there. Wait, what? In in Illinois, it's illegal. In Illinois, it's illegal to walk around the street with an ice cream cone in your back pocket. In Illinois, it's illegal to detain somebody for second degree murder. Shut up. We're not talking about that right now. <laughs> well, not yet. January. Not yet. January. Yeah. Yeah. January 1st, we will be doing a podcast about Illinois. But yeah. Illinois. So- <laughs> oh, my God. I hate this. So just More with that being for said. Canada. With that being said, it's unlikely due to the most of the cemeteries being small family-based cemeteries that every single grave was successfully located to be relocated before the lake was filled. So, in spite of the efforts to ensure the dead were respectfully disinterred, which in itself, respectfully and disinterred don't go together. It's unlikely that the residents of every small family cemetery was successfully relocated before the water rose. Like I said, anytime you have to disinter a body, that just screams bad juju to me. As a Hispanic, as most of you know, um, my family is very religiously spiritual. Goblin laughs at me all the time because I'll be like, you know what? I need to do an egg cleanse. And he's like, oh, get out of here. And like, it means something to me and I'll do it. And I feel significantly better afterwards. If you've never done an egg cleanse, whether you believe or you don't believe, it's crazy what happens. Honestly, crazy. And we can talk about it later. But anyway, the rising water was relentless in its destruction of anything and everything that was in it. So it went out. Can before you get into that, can I just say Uh everybody has seen those crazy people? During a hurricane, it's like, I'm not leaving. I've been here for a hundred years. Can uh-huh. you imagine? I know there were people that were like, sure they were like, was. it's not going to get to me. The water will stop. It just I'm didn't sure. leave their houses. I'm sure there were. I'm sure at some point somebody probably might have. But I mean, there's no record of it. So, um, but it wiped out homes farmlands, forests, the entire town of Oscarville and others like it. Good. They deserved it. Even, it. <laughs> it even covered another lake called Lake Warner. Um, you can see the remains of homes and businesses, toll gates, bridges, roads that are now at the bottom of the lake. Historical landmarks and even the remains of a rusted ferry were left to decay at the bottom of this lake. According to the reports, it was just simply easier to leave them there than to deal with the relocation, demolition, and cleanup. I mean, they only had $45 million to do it. Something like that, which I'm pretty sure the dam itself was over budget, and it took longer than it was supposed to. I mean, most Um, government construction is definitely done under budget and early. Always. Uh, with the wise, rising waters that was lost, wait, with the rising waters, what was lost was more than merely inanimate structures, people who once worked hard to earn their homes and live their lives in this area were also lost. One of the most memorable losses was the Looper Speedway, a half mile dirt track once located off of Old Cliff Lind, Cleveland, Cleveland Highway. Sorry. 
This is a well-known track owned by Max Looper and his nephew, Edwin Looper. But as the water of Lake Lanier creeped closer, the community's beloved speedway closed for good. The speedway was lost only to memory until 2001 when a drought lowered the levels of the water enough to see the top rows of the speedway's old concrete grandstand. So, now that you have background on Lake Lanier, let's go ahead and get into the mysteries surrounding the lake. The lake, as we have said, has often been referred to as the best place to be in Georgia or the worst place to be. We talked about how many people have died while at the lake, whether it be from boating accidents to accidental drownings or even car accidents. Boats have capsized after reports of hitting something in the water that caused the boat to capsize. But when the area is searched, there's nothing there. Before the waters flooded the areas, they made sure any tall buildings such as a church to bell towers or anything like that were taken down to prevent this issue. They literally gauged, there's a, there's a number, a height number, I can't remember what it is, that they were like, okay, if it's taller than this, it needs to be taken down. Um, other boaters report large, dangerous rogue waves that just appear and flip the boat and are gone just as fast. Which, for anyone who doesn't know a lake, lakes typically don't have waves. Typically. Uh, what what lake have you been on? Not uh, massive rogue waves. Yeah, they the have only, waves, but not like the only waves. that I've ever even heard of besides Lake Lanier having rogue waves would be any of the mission the the Great Lakes. Yeah, and those are usually because of crazy shit that happens. Like Lake Michigan, as someone who's come from Lake Michigan, is a massive lake. I don't think it's as big. I think Lake Lanier is smaller than Lake Michigan. And the biggest waves I've ever seen at Lake Michigan are knee height for me. That is not enough to tip a boat, to capsize no. a boat. I mean, I can I can tell you that I've been on Lake Conroe when it's super windy and there's a bunch of boats out there. And it's been scary at times. Like, obviously... Sure, but of, capsize of, a boat scary? We're not talking rowboats. We're talking fishing, fishing boats. Uh, I mean, it's possible. Also, could you also gotta? I mean, I'm I'm one to think that it's. I'm not as superstitious, super superstitious, superstitious. <laughs> Look, I can't speak, but I can spell. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not one that is as, as superstitious. I'm more for like thinking logically. And I can also tell you that 90% of people that are like, oh, we're going boating and we've rented a boat. Those people oh, yeah. don't know how to drive boats. But and also, most of boating accidents like that, like what could look like a rogue wave, you may have been able to see coming. And by the time it hits you, you hit it the wrong angle in a fishing boat that's low. Yeah. And it can but capsize. I'm just waves, saying. The waves that they're describing are massive. And it's not something that wouldn't leave some type of evidence of it having. Like, we're one of the, one of the podcasts I listened to, there was this guy who was an old fisherman who had been fishing his whole life, took his kids out, his grandkids, I think. And they were surrounded by other boats. And 
him and one other boat came around something and they both capsized because of this massive wave. They both boats saw it, but none of the other three or four boats that were in the area even saw any type of motion on the lake. Interesting. That's the type of crazy shit that I'm talking about. Like, I get the, the, the skepticism and like the, you know, you hit a wave the wrong way in a boat with an unexperienced boat driver. Yeah, that's definitely possible. But the things that I've heard are terrifying. One of the reasons I won't go to Lake Lanier. Yeah. Um, even stranger than the crazy boating accidents are the accidental drownings that occur. Most drownings occur close to the shores in calm waters and often involve individuals who are strong swimmers. There are a handful of survivors who have talked about their drowning experience, which is probably one of the most chilling things of all, is they often describe being feel, describe the feeling of being pulled under the water surface by hands. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> but honestly, what can you expect when you're probably swimming, swimming in a lake? That for sure has unmarked graves and dead bodies. Like, that's just juju all over. Just horrific. Can you imagine? Like, I've gone swimming in the lake, or in the lake, and I've swam in oceans. Like, I have seaweed touch my foot, and I feel like something's grabbing me. Like, <laughs> the one time we went swimming on the Mississippi River, we went boating, and there was a sandbar, and my family was like, let's go swimming. I had a fish touch my foot. I was done. <laughs> I was in the boat. I was done. I was I was ready to leave. Don't I mean, granted you're you're not the least uh, jumpy person that I know. <laughs> Whenever I was at in New Jersey with Bush, we went to the beach and there was a jellyfish and I picked it up and I was like, Bush, look at the jellyfish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. Um the most tragic and infamous infamous death is the lady of Lake Linnea. In April of 1958, Delia Mae Parker Young was traveling with Susie Roberts to the Three Gables in Donsville, Georgia. They had just fled a local gas station after filling up their tank and not deciding they didn't want to pay for their gas. They were crossing the Lanier Bridge when, in Susie's 1954 Ford when suddenly Susie lost control and drove off the bridge. And the only evidence was that of the skid marks suggesting the car ended in the lake. The vehicle came to rest in 90 feet of water at the base of the When the two women had, women had not shown up at the Three Gables, the locals began to search for them. They discovered the skid marks and sent divers into the lake to search the area, but they were unable to locate any vehicle or remains due to the murkiness of the water. 18 months went by when a fisherman happened to discover human remains that had floated to the surface of the lake. An autopsy was performed and the cause of death was undetermined. The body was missing both hands and two toes on her left foot. And due to the lack of fingerprints, they were unable to determine, unable to determine the identity of this body. Many assumed it was either Delia or Susie, but it was impossible to know for sure. 
She was laid to rest in an unmarked grave and at Alta Vista Cemetery. In November of 1990, almost 31 years later, Susie's 1954 Ford was discovered under the bridge. The lake had been dredged to get ready for a new set of foundation pillars. What was unexpected was that Susie was discovered still seated behind the wheel of her car. They were also able to determine that the woman found years prior was Delia Mae Parker Young with items and personal effects found in the car. For almost three decades, Susie had been trapped in her car hidden at the bottom of the lake, stuck on trees, tree trunks, and mud. She was finally able to be laid to rest properly. As for the unmarked grave of Delia, she also finally received her headstone with her name. They are both at that cemetery laid to rest together, which is super sweet. Even though both women had been laid to rest properly, Delia is still seen by many visitors walking up and down the length of Lanier Bridge. She's wearing a blue dress and is reportedly seen without her hands. It is even said that Susie is seen on the back roads searching for her lost friend. <laughs> Anybody else get goosebumps or is it just me? I, don't know. Yeah. I, think, I've, I think I've heard that legend before. Yeah. Um, What's well, the lady of the lake? Story. Yeah. Yeah. It's a crazy story. And and lots of people have seen her. And and some people even report when they drive over the bridge and they see her, she'll get in the back seat of their car. Like they'll drive and she'll just appear in the back seat and just drive with them a good for a time, you know what I'm saying? Disappears. Yeah. Like it's creepy. Like it makes me want to go there, but I also don't want to go there because Lord knows I would pee my pants. Uh, the Lady of the Lake is not the only apparition seen on Lake Lanier. There are countless others reported to haunt the lake. Another is a mysterious raft that is seen floating late at night with a shadow figure using a long pole with a lantern that lights his way as he moves across the lake. Two local fishermen reported seeing him early one morning on a cloud, cold autumn morning. Let me repeat that. Mm-hmm. Two local fishermen reported seeing this figure early on a cold autumn morning. They were in a section of the lake that's known to be about 45 feet deep, but could see the man had no troubles moving through the deep water with only a pole to propel him forward. Now, I'm assuming, because they don't say a pole like an oar, I'm assuming it's like a poke pole, like where you take it and you stick it in the mud and like you pull yourself, you know? Yeah, that's like Um, Huckleberry Finn does. Pretty much, but I don't think he had a 45-foot long pole, so that's crazy. I mean, I've got one. (laughs) Ouch. They stated he turned and looked at them when he suddenly shouted or screeched and jumped from the raft into the freezing waters towards the direction of their boat. They quickly pulled up their line and prepared to leave the area. When they flashed their lights back to where the raft was last seen, there was nothing. And the waters were calm and unmoving. Which, again, I would have my pants full of everything I had for breakfast and some of dinner from the night before. Because if somebody screeched at me and it was a tall, shadowy figure and then jumped into the water swimming towards me, I'm dead. I'm deceased. I'm dying right there. 
I, I'm being dragged under the water and I'm dead. No, thank you. The next story coming from Lake of the Year is about 25-year-old Kelly Nash, who had disappeared from his home in Buford. It's reported that on January 5th, 2015, he woke his girlfriend up around 4 a.m. coughing and wheezing. He told her that he was going to the store to get some medication to hopefully feel better. He had been sick the night before, went to bed early, um, and when he woke up, he was still feeling like crap. She said okay and went back to sleep. When she woke later that day, she saw Kelly was nowhere to be found in their home, originally thinking he might have gone out to get some medication. That's what, what she thought until she noticed that his wallet, cell phone, and keys were still on the dresser. What's even stranger, other than him leaving literally everything that he owned, his 9mm handgun and full magazine were missing. Kelly's girlfriend Jessica reported him missing and a massive search began for Kelly. And Kelly's family reported that they knew something was wrong as he wasn't the type to just up and leave. There was not a single clue as to where Kelly may have gone. Jessica reported that she got a voicemail from Kelly at 3.30 in the morning, but it was only 28 seconds and only had a few muffled words and sounds. It wasn't until a month later that Kelly was discovered. February 8th, he was discovered by a fisherman and was reportedly, he reported a badly decomposed, decomposed body floating in the cove behind his father's home. He was still in the clothes that he was last seen in, and authorities used his tattoos to positively identify the body. Authorities stated that his cause of death was from a gunshot wound that he had, and then he had sequentially, sequentially, right? Drowned in the lake. Um, they also stated that there was no evidence of foul play in his death, and the circumstances leading to his death are still unknown. So basically, for Kelly, what essentially the authorities are saying is that he shot himself and then somehow ended up in the water and drowned. Which, I mean, possible, but like, that's weird. I feel that's weird. I don't know. I mean, if he I went down wrong. by the water to comp- contemplate his not wanting to be in a terrible relationship. That's um, not funny. I mean, I'm just, they were in a very loving relationship. But I don't think any of I mean, of course she's going to say that. He's not here to say otherwise. Uh, but any of the reports that I found, they didn't say where he was shot. So... I, we don't know if he was shot in the head, if he was shot in the chest. Like, none of that was ever, ever said. So, I mean, I don't know. Um, another high-profile boating accident on the lake um, is from a year, few years ago that involved the singer Usher. So his ex-wife's 11-year-old son um, was on the lake with some friends, and he was actually killed in a boating accident on the lake. It was reported that the boys were on an inner tube when a jet ski slammed into the tube, critically injuring the two young boys on the tube. The driver was convicted of homicide by vessel, which carries a four-year prison sentence. Once released, he will spend 15 years on probation. As for all the missing bodies and mysterious deaths, there's no true explanation. 
I know one thing for sure. I will not be going to Lake Lanier anytime soon, if ever. Um, it is said the lake is also known to have monster catfish swimming below the surface. Um, one of the largest catfish caught in the lake was over 51 pounds. How I'm going to say that again. Delia lost her over. arm, her hands, and her toes. Exactly. I'm going to say it again. Over 51 pounds. And it was caught in 2016. They also have some records for strapped bass over 47 pounds and Strapped. a long-nosed gar over 30 pounds. Oh, nope. That'll eat your hands and your toes right there. <laughs> Yep. Um, yeah, we could literally spend all day talking about the multiple ports well, and strange were... deaths. Huh? Gar are particularly nasty. They have a really bad attitude. They will eat anything and everything. Factual. Again, okay. I'm not I just going. want to say that she typed long nose far. So I typed just... far. It changed to far. Leave me alone. You know. Mm-hmm. Lake Lanier is only like four hours from me. I'm uh yeah. Don't go, Becca. I want to. Uh, that would be a great place. That would be such a good place to go missing. Are you kidding me? Becca, no. I can put in the history books. No. We don't want you to go missing. Show up in the news. If you find paranormal, share it, cause no. I'm really no. into. But honestly, we could literally spend another hour talking about all of the crazy deaths. And all of the sightings at Lake Lanier. But I'm going to leave it there for now. Like I said, I'm going to put all of my links for the podcasts that I listen to. And other various tales of Lake Lanier. If you feel like diving in deeper to the mysteries of Lake Lanier. It's fascinating. I'm not going to lie. And they have tons. And I mean tons of things about Lake Lanier. Not just its past, but its present. Its presence of everything right now. Um, and everything like that. It's it's a very fascinating place. It's great. It's a great story when you get into the the paranormal side of it, not the history side. Um, it still just flabbergasts me that you know they basically left tons of structures just under there. To, to get caught on. I would be afraid that while I'm swimming, my swimsuit is going to get caught on something and I'm going to drown. <laughs> um, there's, that's not the only, um, man-made lake. Nope. There's tons no, of them. That, but that have like whole cities underneath. Whole of cities. That. Yeah. The it happens a lot. Majority a lot. of, a lot of the, a lot more of the lakes that you, see and then people go to are man-made yeah i think there i want to say there's one here somewhere in ohio the Uh, funniest thing about lake lanier is that it wasn't created to be like the vacation destination that it is now that was never its intention never it was literally created for hydroelectricity and water supply for the city of atlanta the fact that yeah. it has turned into this destination zone is flabbergasting to me. I don't know. I'll stick to, you know. Well, like, what was it? It was only like two years after it was built. It saved Atlanta from a drought because it didn't rain for months. And because yes. they built that dam on it, it freaking yep. saved them. Basically. Exactly. 
pretty much. That, that was the whole point behind it was to build it to help with drought times, to help with flooding, all of that. And it's done its job pretty well. Another another place I want to go over is Lake Mead because that one I want to do some research on Lake Mead because that one's freaky too look I I don't know about y'all but but I'm I'm ready to start doing some of these about about these these killers these psychopaths oh Oh, hell yeah I want to do John Wayne Gacy so bad not like that Oh yeah. Not like in a sexual way. Yeah. No. I'm trying trying to I'm trying to do type. it. Trying to get it I'm done. Not his type. Plus he's a clown and that's just creepy. But John Wayne Gacy is from my hometown. Not my hometown, but like he's from my home state. Hey, don't and worry. You'll float down there fact. too. There's John fun Wayne Gacy. There's uh H. Holmes. There's um Yeah. So many. There's John, too many to count. John Wayne Gacy. So, so John Wayne Gacy's dad, right? is buried in the same cemetery as my mom and my aunt. Fucking crazy. Fucking crazy. I am in, so the podcast that I listen to the most is Morbid, right? They're amazing. I love them. I will plug them all the time. Um, They went over and they, we have, there's a Facebook group that's not run by them, but it's a lot of us that listen to their, their podcasts and stuff. And I had watched the John Wayne Gacy case, um, the netflix special that they did on him and i heard him talk about that cemetery i freaked out and i posted i was like oh my god i just found out that john wayne gacy's dad is buried in the same cemetery as my mom and my aunt and i don't know how to feel about that is all i said i was like i don't know how to feel about this information and it started a clusterfuck of just people like, what are you going to do? Pick, bury, unbury your your mom and your aunt? Like, why are you being so dramatic? And then most of the people had my back of just like, dude, that's a crazy thing to learn after so long. Like, she's been there 12 years. Like, that's crazy to me. My mom's been there 12 years. My aunt has been there since the 80s. I mean, like, it's, it's his dad. It's not like he's there. Exactly. And it's not it's not because, you know, John Wayne Gacy is the one buried there. But the fact of the matter is, at some point or another, he was there visiting his dad's grave before he was put in jail and killed. Like, that's the thing that gets me is just like the the closeness of that, of that being that possibility of like, holy shit, that's yeah. crazy. It just, it was a crazy little fact that I had come across. And I was just like, oh my God, that's insane. And like, for everyone to like lose their shit about it, we're like, why are you being so dramatic? And I was like, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just like, holy crap, that's really interesting. Well, I mean, it probably well, had to do with how you wrote it. It probably just came <laughs> off as dramatic. It probably did, but I was. Because I, I know you pretty well and you're shook. a little bit of a drama queen. I uh, was shook about it. But, I just pulled up that I made of, of serial killers that I that I've always wanted to like talk about because I've kind of studied them a little bit. It's, um, not, it's not creepy in any way. I mean, <laughs> researching, building uh, your craft. Charles Manson. Okay, Charles Manson. <laughs> I'm gonna send you. I need you to listen to Morbid because they do a great Charles Manson. Fuck no! Yeah. Listen to Time Suck. Um, uh, 
But anyways, guys, because this is almost two hours and not much of this is going to be cut out at all. Uh, But anyways, guys, if you have any any topics that you guys want us to cover on whether a bonus episode or just a normal episode, go ahead and shoot an email to undeadfamilypodcast at gmail.com. And uh, and send us over. You can also reach us on Instagram. Uh, you can reach me at Twitter at Goblin350Z. Uh, also, any of my Instagram or Twitch. If you want to come in to the Twitch chat and be like, hey, can you talk about this on the next podcast? We might be able to talk about it. We might might not, but we'll definitely jot it down and, and figure it out. But also, if there's a specific like serial killer that you guys want us to do some research on and, and talk or about. Scripted. Um, cryptid you want to talk about so yeah definitely but uh, leave those in the comments email twitter whatever we'll check them we'll see them might respond to you and if you have you also if you have a podcast and you're like hey this is a crazy podcast um, on this topic or whatever to listen to ducky loves that kind of stuff I I do as well I have no more to listen to because I'm caught up on all of my podcasts. You sound like your face is buried in a pillow, but okay. It's not. I'm just very sad that I'm out of all of my podcasts to listen to. Um, so I've gone back and started listening to audiobooks again, but I love podcasts while I'm at work because they make the day go by faster. Facts. Uh, but alright guys, this has been the Lake Lanier episode of the Undead Family Podcast and we finally got it done I did have a white claw. It was delicious. Um, <laughs> yes, I am a basic white girl, and I don't give a fuck. Uh, That's okay. Apparently, if I go to Starbucks, I'm a vaping, long-haired vaping vape douche. Yes. Or Starbucks drinking vape douche. I mean, you're that anyways. I don't go to Starbucks that often. <laughs> it's gotten too expensive. They keep raising the freaking prices, and I can't take it anymore. Oh, but when I I'm a long-haired Starbucks drinking vape douche. <laughs> oh, I mean, I was just cutting out the the Starbucks drinking part. That's all. No, I'm just kidding. A <laughs> long-haired vape douche. <laughs> uh, you still look Amish to me. <laughs> I knew something was amish. <laughs> Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, Reaper has a beard and no like mustache, so it's just like the side beard. <laughs> well, okay. I always story behind, Viking. The story behind the mustache is if I grow a mustache and I shave the beard, I get called a Mexican because I'm half Hawaiian. And yes, Gabriel Iglesias is correct when he says Mexicans get mistaken for Hawaiians. And vice versa. And vice versa. Yeah. Oh, I just don't grow a mustache. I'm. I, I mean, I um, have now, but yeah, but with a full beard, I, I, I don't get it. But okay. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm ready to get off because my throat feels like I've swallowed a bunch of nails. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was screaming a lot the other day, and my throat ain't doing so either. I bet you yeah. are, Becca. <laughs> Not for any bad reason, you freak. That's not a bad reason. A I didn't reason. say it was a bad reason. It was a panic attack, for God's sake. Aww, honey. Uh, during or after? 
<laughs> it might be a little. My, I'm sorry. No, it was really unrelated. <laughs> I'm sorry, Becky. You but know I, I love streaming, you. <laughs> I was streaming for like four hours straight. Good. Four hours. I've never got, lost my voice before. It's the weirdest thing. We legitimately got video. We got video of the the game, and you hear me on every single video. I mean, like, granted, like, the person me. videotaping was like. 15 feet in front of you so I'm not surprised yeah. that they heard you on everyone oh yeah uh, you, hear me, you can hear me and all the other moms just screaming yeah well alright oh, guys for the 6th, 7th, 8th 12th time as usual <laughs> we, will, we will catch you guys in the next podcast be sure to leave a like, comment, subscribe on YouTube, go follow on Twitch twitch.tv slash goblin350z also follow reaper twitch.tv slash reapers double 91 uh get him to 50 we're trying to get him to affiliate and uh he's he's getting close what you hit 30 the other day right reaper 31 as of tonight we got just got a new follow tonight so hey hell yeah that's what's up good for you man all right well let's get let's get reaper to affiliate uh and and we will see you guys in the next episode. Bye-bye. See ya. Yeah.